Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hour number two of our broadcast. Coming up, we're going to talk about what's going on with Netflix, but I wanted to share this post because I think this is where some people are, and I understand where they're coming from. Vince, you'll note that most major TV programs now try to normalize same-gender relationships and alternate lifestyles. Being a grandfather, it's a horrid experience to have a grandchild express their curiosity about it and want to try it since it is new to them and obviously okay. My own children, who say they were initially shocked, chose to overlook it as they liked the majority of the TV show. It never until now dawned on them their children were being indoctrinated with this new norm. Scary times in what we are seeing now. And we'll have more of a conversation about this a little bit later on. And, and, and I want to be very clear about this. I do not have a problem with with communicating and reflecting what is in our society. I want to make that very clear. I do believe Hollywood has gone overboard. And I do mean overboard. And put a lot of this stuff into overdrive. And I think this is what makes a lot of people uncomfortable. They feel they're being propagandized. And some of these companies are now paying a price We'll address this in a bit. First, Faith Focus Friday. I want to share a couple of Steve Crosby posts. In fact, I've kind of debated whether I should share both of these because they're both kind of deep and kind of involved, but also very, very important. One of the things that you will notice about me, if you've been listening with regularity the past few years, I hope that along the way I've become more cognizant of the reality that there's this ongoing conflict between sound spiritual values and a focus on politics. They can really cause your perspective to be skewed. And so what's been happening in my life, I hope, is kind of a course correction the past few years where I have been much more aggressive about keeping my political values subservient to my spiritual values. In other words, politics should not be the number one thing driving who I am and what I do. If I claim to be a Christian, it's the spiritual values that ought to transcend for a lot of people, 
and I've seen this in my own life for a season, I think, where these things became, these political things became much too important. So I think about it. I'm actually going to <laughs> save one of these because this is just too meaty to just throw out as uh, really kind of overkill of content. I want to share this one, and I will save the other one for another time. As you know, uh, those of you who don't know, Dr. Chief Grosby is a good friend of mine, lives in Texas now, I used to live in this area for several years, a person who uh, made a tremendous impact on me in understanding true biblical New Testament Christianity. Here's what Steve posted. It's not possible to biblically pastor an evangelical church in the West. Now, he puts a disclaimer on this. Not when the objective in being a successful pastor is to try to please as many people as possible with the preaching to grow the church. Avoiding conflict becomes the highest priority. Preaching the least offensive, feel-good pablum, unanimous consent message becomes a mandate. <laughs> How people who claim quite passionately alleged fidelity to scripture can read it and come away with that mindset testifies to the power of delusion in the human species. He's talking about people-pleasing. He's really talking about marketing. By the way, one of the most interesting words I learned in recent years is pastorpreneur. Remember that one, pastorpreneur. But I'll continue on with Steve's post. They were filled with fury against him. They conspired as to what they could do to him. They conspired to kill him. They pushed him to a precipice to kill him. You are the bastard from Nazareth. We know who our father is. And on and on and on. And for what? How he interpreted scripture, the Torah, and preaching a father of radical benevolence and forgiveness towards sinners? Well, that was just the leaders. The people loved him. The masses loved him. Not so. They loved him as long as he fit their hopes of a Davidic warrior Messiah. When that did not happen, all turned against him. Does this mean we should purposefully try to be relationally boorish and offensive? Of course not. It means the gospel will never appeal to the masses and opposition will come from those who claim to be the most committed to God. Don't I know it? The day will come that those who try to kill you will think they are doing a service for God. This is gospel normal. It means we address, we adjust our definitions and expectations of outcome for when the gospel is preached. Fruit-bearing must have a cruciform definition. If all we have are friends who think we are wonderful and fawning sycophants who walk two steps behind us in awestruck wonder of Pastor so-and-so and the mighty anointing he or she has, well, Jesus has left the building right after Elvis did. Jesus loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life to fill the God-shaped hole in your heart and bring you peace and happiness and prosperity is simply not the gospel message. 
again, that's from Steve Crosby, challenging our me-centered, self-centered religious culture that unfortunately permeates a good part of America. I... Ha! Ah, where do I want to... I, I, I'm trying to edit my remarks as I make them here. And I'm just saying this as a personal testimony. It's people like Steve and some of the other wonderful people in my life who really helped to keep me sane in this area. Because I know what he's talking about, this cruciform. And, and there's... There's something about a real transformation that takes place in your life when you've experienced that change from death to life and you're living committed to God and loving him and loving others. There's something that's changed forever. And when you connect with people like that who are sold out to him and genuinely loving, it makes a difference. And these are people that you cherish and appreciate in a very significant way and so for those who are living that out I want to encourage you keep on keeping on you know most importantly who it is you are serving still to come in the broadcast we will talk about Netflix about the president's approval ratings and about our ongoing relationship with Cuba and the latest Evidence of appeasement from this administration. That much more as we continue our Friday broadcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Back of the broadcast, let's go out to a call from Edward. Good morning. Welcome, sir. Hello. Hey. Nice to talk with you, Mr. Copley. Well, good to have you here. Yeah, a second-time caller, long-time listener. Um, try to be a little... First time I called, uh, I was a little excited. I got my point across, but it, it didn't really stick. This time, it's real easy. Title 42. 
Title 42, let's say COVID isn't the reason to keep it in place, and that's why we did it. But there's another health threat to this country, and it's fentanyl. Fentanyl is killing so many people, and Title 42 it goes a long way to help keep people who are carrying fentanyl out of the country. Hmm. So is this a recommendation from you, Edward? I would love to hear this talked about more. I don't hear anybody saying, hey, it's a health care for the country. Eight, a demographic 18 to 45-year-old males, COVID's not going to kill them. With the therapeutics we have, with the treatments we have now, uh, unless they have um, some kind of comorbid, they're not going to die. But fentanyl, that's the major killer of males and females, 18 to 45. Well, wow, that is a brilliant idea, Edward. And it's kind of interesting here that you point this out because this is a health crisis that is increasing across the country. And if you want to use the organization like the Centers for Disease Control to accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish, which is to keep things under control and to provide for the health of Americans, that might be a brilliant idea. Edward, you get the prize for great idea of the day. How is that? Well, thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it's good to hear from you. Thanks very much for your call. That's really a terrific idea. It is. If there really is a concern about this, and I think this goes to the heart of, again, the question of what's the real goal for these bureaucrats? Is it really protect Americans, or is it to promote some other purpose? And I think we know what that is. <laughs> This person saying here, does fentanyl not fall under the health emergency? Good call, Edward. Very interesting stuff here. Let's talk about what is going on with Netflix. They're seeing a sharp rise in the number of long-term customers. Long-term customers pulling the plug on their pulling the plug on their subscriptions. And this is a real threat to their financial stability, according to a new study. Consumers who had been Netflix subscribers for more than three years accounted for just 5% of total cancellations at the start of 2022. That figure has now jumped to 13% in the first quarter. Also in the first quarter, total cancellations spiked to 3.6 million people, compared with around 2.5 million in the previous five quarters. This is from a study conducted by the research firm Antenna, provided to the tech news site, The Information. The data helped illuminate why Netflix's subscriber growth stalled suddenly in the first quarter, prompting a big drop in the company's stock price to its lowest point in several years and undermining investor confidence. Netflix shares plummeted following last month's quarterly earnings report, showing the streamer lost 200,000 subscribers expects to lose a whopping two million more in the months ahead. That stock has fallen close to 40% after all this news and a stunning 68% so far this year. Netflix also facing a shareholder lawsuit accusing executives of misleading the public about the company's subscriber growth. Antenna's data also indicating Netflix customers are reacting to the company's recent price increases with the cost of the most expensive packaging going up to $20 a month. 
consumers vote with their wallets. Now they're just more viable candidates on the ballot. Antennas data also show for the first four months of 2022, Paramount Plus, Peacock, and Disney Plus, the most popular options among new subscribers, all three are less expensive than Netflix. As Breitbart News also reported, Netflix's bloodbath continued this week as the streamer laid off around 150 employees, part of an ongoing effort to cut spending with this catastrophic subscriber forecast. They're implementing austerity measures to reverse years of a lot of borrowing and spending. I wonder where they learned that from. The federal government? They've embraced far-left woke programming for years, including a production deal with former President Barack Obama, Michelle Obama. Company executives are among Hollywood's most loyal Democratic donors, supporting left-wing politicians like Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Gavin Newsom, and radical leftist Los Angeles DA, George Gascon. You have to consider that politics probably figures into this. Over on the text line, speaking of media, Vince, I've always been a fan of the original TV show NCIS. CBS recently started a spinoff show called NCIS Hawaii. I tried watching the show, but it's nothing more than a showcase for a lesbian relationship. The writers have woven that into the storyline, showcasing homosexuality as normal. I stopped watching. So there you go. I think there's a lot of this going on where people are finding their values under assault. And you can understand, you know, it's like any other consumer product. You either like it or you don't like it. So Netflix is doing exactly what Elon wants to do with Twitter. Media silence. Sean out of Liberty. We have mentioned a number of times, and I've said to you before, you may find this really odd, but I did encourage you to pray for and continue to pray for President Joe Biden because I think he is not well mentally. I think the man is suffering some form of dementia or something that's causing his mental capacity to be diminished. At the same time, what we have in President Joe Biden has been a radical presidency. The things that he's embraced are are not things that are really in America's best interests. And he seems to be tone deaf to the fact that Americans are not at all with him. He's pressing forward anyway. See, what's really funny to me about this is that Democrats are not even for him. They're not even with him. Coming up, we're going to talk about the latest polling information on the president and a Democrat senator takes issue with a very important aspect of his foreign policy. We'll address those as we continue our Friday broadcast. Stay with us.
All right, very, very quickly, want to get to some items here before the end of the broadcast. One of them on Joe Biden's approval ratings, dipping to the lowest of his presidency. This is an ugly picture, ladies and gentlemen. 39% of U.S. adults approve of Biden's performance as president. 39%. Here is what is sobering about this. Only about 2 in 10 adults say the U.S. is heading in the right direction or the economy is good. That is down from 3 in 10 a month earlier. So this is getting worse. These drops concentrated, listen to this carefully, among Democrats. With just 33% within the president's party saying the country's headed in the right direction. That's down from 49% in April. When you've lost your own party. Where is your mandate to lead? Where is it? Of particular concern for Biden ahead of the midterms, his approval among Democrats, 73%. That is a substantial drop since earlier in his presidency. Pretty ugly picture here. And you have examples like this to point out the fecklessness of this president the incoherency of so many of his policies. Case in point, what is happening in Cuba? You know, it's like, uh, it, it kind of reminds me of, this is Jimmy Carter on steroids. I mean, he has out-cartered Jimmy Carter. He really has. In offering appeasement. Now, this comes across as being very nice and, you know, allegedly very Christian. And really what it is, it's self-indulgent. And it's designed to... Virtue signal and make it look like, oh, we're being so nice to people. In reality, what we're doing is we're putting the national security of the United States on the line. Not in a good way. So forget about me. Forget about Republicans. How about Senate Foreign Relations Committee Chairman Robert Menendez, who is a Democrat? He's criticizing the Biden administration for lifting some restrictions on Cuba. Why would we do this now? What is the incentive? Here is what Mr. Menendez had to say about this action from the president. Well, we we see what the regime's response. On the day that the administration uh, announced these unilateral uh, concessions uh, to the regime, uh, the regime uh, put into law as part of their penal code, uh, sweeping draconian uh, consequences for people who exercise what we would call here in the United States free speech, including the death penalty under certain circumstances for what would be an act of free speech. Uh, so uh, instead of insisting that the regime move towards uh, change of respect for human rights, peaceful protests, giving a voice to the Cuban people uh, and, and stopping the jailing of uh, dissidents, uh, what we have uh, is a unilateral concession that ultimately uh, was responded to by having a penal code uh, that includes a death penalty for free speech activities. Unilateral concessions. We just give people things. Give these countries things. You know, it's it's amazing how... These lessons are not learned at all. All you have to do is just look at history and see what happens when you see patterns of appeasement, you know, just within this administration. Of course, Afghanistan is pretty much long forgotten. We've moved on. 
I want to get to the story as well before we go, because it's kind of a cautionary story. I've told you on this program some days ago, I urged you to pray for Madison Cawthorn. I would encourage you to keep praying for him. He is, in my perspective, not a well man at all. After his shocking defeat in the primary, he's gone on to Instagram to post a defiant. This is characterized as a defiant, vengeful, and typo-riddled message, promising a dark MAGA comeback. After decrying the establishment-driven campaign to unseat him following a long series of scandals, Cawthorn credited those he called his true allies, specifically naming figures like former President Donald Trump, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, the great Charlie Kirk, and Tucker Carlson. I'm on a mission now to expose those who say and promise one thing, yet legislate and work towards another. Self-profiteering, globalist goal. It's time for the rise of the new right. It's time for dark MAGA to truly take command. Before vowing that this dark MAGA would defeat the cowardly and weak members of our own party, Cawthorn said the time for a genteel politics as usual has come to an end. He actually spelled genteel wrong. He later corrected that. By the way, it was Chuck Edwards, GOP state senator, who defeated Cawthorn by 1.5 percentage points in the primary. Cawthorn will be with us until January 2023. The cautionary thing that I want to express to you folks is be careful, please. Do not go down this road. To be honest with you, this sounds very much like the same kind of heart and mindset that we have with Black Lives Matter. It's vengeance, it's anger, it's bitterness. And I would suggest that Madison Cawthorn's own defeat has caused him to become even more bitter and probably more um, virulent in the way he expresses his ideas, this is not healthy. This is a man who needs to go away for a while and get himself together and recognize for for one, he has himself to blame for losing his race because of his many scandals of which he has never taken responsibility for. I've not heard a single apology, not a single one. Now, again, I'm not against Mr. Cawthorn. Don't have anything personally against him. I would just like to see him get some help. Because I think this guy could have a really bright future. I really believe that. But I'm also encouraging you, please do not follow people who are bitter, who are angry, who are vengeful. I'm encouraging you to be the same. This is simply not what is going to heal the country. It will only tear this country apart. It's got to be the right ideas with the right heart. They've got to go together. Stay with us. Final stretch of the Vince Coakley radio program on this Friday. And time for us to take a look at the day in history we have with us 
our good friend Bernie. How are you doing today, man? Vince, I am fantastic. It is Friday, sir. Yeah, it is Friday. Any special plans? I'm actually going to meet a couple foster dogs this weekend to see if they get along with my current dog. Um, see if we can adopt one. Well, good luck. Yeah, thank Let you. Let us know how it goes. Will do. We have a total of six questions for you, beginning in 1820. This woman served ice cream at the White House. Mm. Uh, interestingly enough, her name is the same name as a uh, snack company that has these very delicious desserts that I used to be. Is it Betty Crocker? Oh, no. <laughs> Does the name Dolly Madison ring a bell? It does not. Dolly Madison? I can't believe you've not heard of Dolly Madison. I have not. What am I going to do with you? <laughs> we'll have to um, uh, do something about that. And yeah. Find some Dolly Madison treats for you at yes, some point. please, please. <laughs> the next question. Two men received a patent for their denim jeans. One of them, the name was Jacob David. What was the other famous name? Uh, Levi's? Is that Le Levi's jeans? Levi Strauss. Levi we'll, Strauss. We'll let you have that one. It's Levi Strauss was the other guy. I wonder why Jacob David, his name is not remembered. Yeah, I don't know. Kind of interesting. Yeah. 1927, this famous aviator took off across the Atlantic. These are two aviation questions back to back. This is a very famous aviator. Uh, was it a male? Yes. Hmm. And I believe uh, one of the stories that was later um, uh, he was involved in, unfortunately, was a kidnapping of a baby in his family. Hmm. I don't know this one, Vince. Charles Lindbergh Charles is the Lindbergh. name. Okay, I've heard Charles that name before. Charles Lindbergh is the name. The next question, 1932. This woman landed in Londonderry. Londonderry, Ireland. She was the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic. Vince, it's on the tip of my tongue. Of course it is. I know, I know you know this, this one. Um, can we come back to it? We're going to come back okay. to this. 1993, I'm not sure if you watched this show. It was the show uh, based on a bar where everyone knows your name. Is this Cheers? Cheers. Right. The very last episode aired on this day in 1993. By the way, speaking of... Um, Songs. There's a song that I sent to you that I hope you noticed because you will be playing that shortly. Uh, we go next to 2007. And this show, an animated show, aired its 400th episode. It's one of the longest that's been on television. But this 400th episode was 2007. I mean, characters like uh, Marge... And oh, um, The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, as soon you as you said Marge, correct. I knew. Yep. There you go, The Simpsons. And we go back to 1932. Yes. There was a show I used to watch of that covered mysteries that I really enjoyed. And they did a, a whole show on this particular woman. It was called In Search Of. Some of you may remember that show. Uh, this is a woman who disappeared, and they never found her. Is this Amelia Earhart? You are absolutely correct. It was on the tip of my tongue, Vince. I knew it was. So I figured I would help jar it out. Here we go. And get this out to you. You have a song, by the way. Are you ready to play that song? What song? That has been sent to you, Bernie. Oh. Yes. Oh, he's looking now, and he's like, hmm. 
what song could this possibly be? Give me one second. I'll pull it up. And he is going to play the song. And this is really important. You know what's really weird to me? It was a few weeks ago. I think it was two or three weeks ago. It was Mother's Day weekend. I was in Kentucky visiting with a friend. And they were playing a... Um, it was, I think it was a, a radio show or something, and they were doing like a day in history. And one of the things that they covered in this day in history, they went back to this particular song, and they said it had been, what is it, 40 years? 41 years. Well, you can go ahead and start this song. I think it's very familiar to a lot of people, uh, not only because of the song, but because of the movie, Chariots of Fire. And I thought, wow, I haven't heard this in ages. And it just so happened that we learned this morning that Greek composer Vangelis, who is known for his celebrated film themes for Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner, in fact, he has passed away at the age of 79. He actually won an Oscar for the stirring score to 1981's Chariots of Fire. Let's go ahead and just listen to a little bit of this. You remember this song you know it's and it's amazing to me that this song became such a big hit just uh, such a production here's what one person had to say about this I still listen to his albums a lot we'll all remember your unique touch your moving melodies forever also you and I always share the same passion for synthesizers and electronic music since so long and you have to think when you talk about electronic music synthesizers how much of an impact has this person, Vangelis, had on so many people since this song came out in the early 80s? It's tremendous, I'm sure. So we close out with Vangelis' song. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast today. Have yourselves a great day the rest of the day and the weekend, and God bless you. Take care. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.